Welcome to the Autobahn Country Club Podcast, where your host, club member John Graybeal, opens the doors to America's premier auto sports club. Now, here's John. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I do interviews year-round, and this interview actually goes back to one of the first ones I did this well, late winter, early spring with Mario Santiano. Mario is the head mechanic for the uh, karting program at the Audubon Country Club. Mario has been around for a long time. He's one of the first people that I met over at the kart track, and he is amazingly helpful. He really, really takes his job to heart. He wants everybody to be better, faster. He's willing to teach you, share all of his knowledge, and he is uh, he's pretty fast in the kart track also, so he's a, he's a pretty good driver. Um, and he has taught me a ton over the years. And today we get to hear all about his background and how he ended up at the Audubon Country Club. Just a, a few announcements. Well, this past weekend, the uh, 24th, we had a couple radical races. And, of course, the, the 3.5-hour enduro. And it was a busy, busy, busy weekend. Uh, there was ton of stuff going on. If you missed last week's episode, Kyle Nato and I did an update about all the activities that were coming up. So go back and listen to that. Some of it is still applicable, but this weekend was, I mean, there was so much activity. It was pretty incredible at the track. Uh, coming up, uh, September 4th is Ladies' Day. I know my wife's really looking forward to that. And without further ado, here is Mario Santiano on the Audubon Country Club Podcast. You kind of follow your own outline. I just like, I don't know if I... Yeah. Just whatever. Just... Just whatever. Um, yeah, this is much better. I, that switch, I had the switch in the wrong position. On the back, there's a pattern switch, and I had it wrong. Warming it up just a little bit in here. I think it's good. So, anyway. Well, Mario. What's well, up? first of all, Mario, say <laughs> your full name for me. What's up, John? Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> so, my real name is Mariano Santayano. But everybody knows me as Mario, so it's just easier. Mario Kart. (laughs) Mario Kart, right. Santiano. 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 So double L's a Y in Spanish. Yes. So (laughs) I thought it was Italian, but... I'm pretty sure there's a lot of Italian in my family somewhere. But But Spanish, a lot of Spanish anyway. Yeah, so somewhere. All right. Well, today it is April... um, Fourth, right? April 4th. Yeah, is that right? April 4th on a cold April 4th. I did an interview last year. It was just as cold. I mean, we had a nice opening day. wasn't bad, was it? No, no. It was really sunny. It was like so. 60. But yeah, always leading into lemons. It's like rainy. We have half a hurricane. Two tornadoes come by. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's a rainy uh, th- Thursday afternoon. We're sitting in uh, uh, my garage here across the street from the carding facility and Finally, we get uh, head mechanic, uh, the uh, the doctor of the carts, <laughs> in here for an interview for the podcast. So, what? Anyway, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure, <laughs> man. Thank you for having me. Uh, we spend a lot of time together. As the listeners know, that I'm a huge carting fan. I, I it's just been so much fun for my family and we're we're, we're very blessed to have a guy like you who's a hundred percent committed to everyone's safety success yeah. enjoyment so uh we, we we appreciate that all you can do is try man appreciate you guys always come by you guys are like the regulars so it's always nice to see familiar faces come by and uh you know like the missings you get on the show so they're like the regulars and always appreciate you guys always giving me insights you know everything's new sometimes with you guys seeing what's going on in your lives and everything and uh it's just that like they say the whole autobahn family community it's just a good time so yeah yeah and what we're let's Let's get to start the beginning. Did you grew up around here. Let's start at the beginning. Uh, I always like to start at the beginning. Did you grew up right around here in Joliet? I, I grew up on the south side of Chicago in Blue Island. So mm-hmm. it was like just a suburb of Chicago on the south side over there. Then like we moved out to Braidwood area. So I kind of knew the whole Joliet area and stuff. I never knew about this country club, like the Autobahn place. I saw Chicagoland get built and then 
I ended up working at one of the diesel shops around the area here because, you know, it's like an industrial warehouse kind of location. And I would fix the trailers on the opposite side of the track. You can actually see the warehouse in the Ovia. So I would fix the trailers and then I would sit on top of the trailers and I could see into the track. No way. And so I was like, I was always a car guy, big fanatic. But yeah, that's kind of how I got to know Autobahn. Grew up on the south side, always knew the area, started working over here. And then uh, I just kind of came to be. So, so when you were you you were a kid, what what was the first thing you worked on? Was it a motorcycle or a car or what was the first uh, thing you started to take? Lawnmowers, weed whackers. It was always uh, take stuff apart. Hopefully, it goes back together. I mean, did you have any guides or somebody helping you? Oh uh, yeah, I had. Uh, I guess, I guess, like this older gentleman, uh, older guy who just knew his stuff about lawnmowers, small engines. I started working with him when I uh, lived in. I live in my little town still, actually. And he showed me a lot in and out of anything and everything, two-stroke to four-stroke. And uh, I did that for since I was 14. So at 14, you started taking apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but even when I was little, I was big into NASCAR. Loved it. It was just loud. I remember going to the first NASCAR event, and it was it was just addicting. Over here at the track. Yeah, over here at Chicagoland. Yeah, because yeah. the track was built in 01, I think, somewhere around there. Has it there. been there that long? Yeah, it's, it's you know coming close to 20 years, so... And yeah, I went to one of those NASCAR events, and it was just crazy, the, the horsepower. The whole stands rumble and everything, so it was a good time. And uh, yeah, yeah, the second I could work or you know help a guy out and learn something, I kind of jumped to it. And uh, ever since, I guess I've just been fixing everything, or trying to, <laughs> or learning, or <laughs> doing my best, and uh, it's come a long way, and I'm just I'm fortunate you know, to be doing what I am. So what was the, what was the first car you had? Oh, gosh. I don't consider it my first car, but I had, uh, what was it, a 92 Cutlass Supreme. It was like a gold edition. It had like a GM 3.4 liter V6. It was just, it was a hunk of crap. So I had it for like a month, but then I ended up getting rid of it. I uh, I bought an 81 Monte Carlo. With a three old Sweet car. Those are popular, <laughs> super popular cars now. Back right? in the, yeah. yeah, yeah, you know. And uh, I was just like, whoa, it's got a 305, you know, whatever. And I just started tinkering with it. Did a little bit of this and that, got a cam in it. And then I like, I, I don't know, I broke it one day and then it took me like two months to fix it. And I don't know. So that was the first real car, I would say. The Cutlass doesn't count. The Monte Carlo is where it started. How old were you when you got What was it? I was, I was just turning 16 when I got the Cutlass and then like probably 16 and a half, I got the Monte Carlo. So, and uh, yeah, I drove that thing for two three years hard i mean every day was pouring a quart of oil in it kind of thing because because uh you needed to but i mean you got to get to school and then i was working at burger king then at the time on top of helping the, the guy out in the shop so it was just uh just always hands greasy dirty and i don't think i've stopped since <laughs> so then because so, you worked uh you went to school for diesel mechanic, right? Is that what you told me? A little uh, everything. So I went to UTI, and that was What's UTI Universal Technical Institute. So I went up here when it was in Glendale Heights. Now it's in DeKalb or Aurora. They got a whole new awesome campus. I actually haven't visited, um, but uh, yeah, I went there for auto diesel and industrial technologies. And then after I did pretty good there, I went out to Arizona for like six months and did a Cummins program. And I got a bunch of certificates. That's the diesel, that was the diesel. Cummins engines. Like, yeah, they put them in Dodges. And then Cummins on road is like N14. Are there only Cummins or only diesels? No. Like, uh, they have regular like uh, gasoline motors? Oh, uh, Cummins is only mostly diesel yeah, stuff. Yeah. They have gas stuff for like generators. And that's actually what I went to study. But it's like super small stuff. It's very unique. It's like huh. more like special applications, I would say. Interesting. So, yeah, I went to Arizona, did that for a while. Oh, I mean, Arizona did that. Six months. So, yeah, and it was, it was that was a wild ride. I mean, Arizona is way different than here. So, how was the in, instruction? The coursework good? Is uh, it was it was awesome. Um, I was like in the beginning of the infancy, like the infancy of the program. So, I was the second class that went through, and we were still trying to figure out all of how their training manuals work. Their training was different than how Universal Technical Institute did. It's more like all these guys that have been in the field or industry of repairs and everything for fifteen plus years. And they can jump straight into a manual, and you're supposed to already know what to pinpoint and what to look at. This was more like, we need to guide you in that direction. And then, so it was really good. It was a little bit of growing pains and struggling, but from what I heard now, it's like, it's awesome. They've kind of, you know, hashed out the problems. And so, 
But uh, back then it was really good. I mean, I I don't regret any of it. I learned a lot and got a lot of information out of it. So it's a good time. And then you came back here and you worked uh, uh, diesel place. D- diesel place, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It was big tools, right? Yeah. Really big tools. <laughs> Everything's big. I know. <laughs> if you uh, you yeah, if you need a big socket or some three inch something, it's probably got it now. So <laughs> it went straight into trucks and I was working on Peterbilts and. Oh, no, it was just a Peterbilt fleet, so it was Caterpillar engines and pack cars and Cummins engines. So it was pretty much everything I kind of dealt with. And it was easy for what I did that about a year and a half, and then I went into Chrysler Jeep Dodge for just over two years. At the dealership? At dealership, yeah, over in Lansing, Napleton's. And uh, that was a lot of information. Made it just under journeyman. Did they did they give you like initial training or Chrysler? Yeah, like I would say um, if you're going in as a loop tech, yeah, they give you like a lot of insight. They're not going to just throw you you know to the wolves. So if you're starting to you know change oil, sling oil, or do tires and stuff, they'll, they'll guide you. Is that how the progression is? You go and start there to mm, get to yeah. Or uh, I did when I was in school. I worked at Goodyear. For a while, the D-Ray tire guys over by Orland and all that area, and uh, it was uh, those guys were really insightful. It was just a, Goodyear's a tire place, but it was a do-it-all mechanic place also. So if I needed help, those guys were good mentors, good guide, you know, good guides along what I needed to do. And uh, they kind of yeah, it's just a progression thing. We're not going to make you rebuild an engine if you've never taken apart, you know, a wheel. So. Uh, but yeah, I got into the dealership and it's pretty much like, you know what you're doing. I'm like, yeah. And then they're like, all right, well, you know, fix that wheel hub or something like that. And that's kind of what it was doing. And, uh, that was really good, but, uh, I had to move back out this way. So I was fortunate. Got another diesel job out this way and yeah, it worked out for me. Hmm. So, so then you somehow ended up here yeah. at the Audubon. So it was your first experience coming through the, not watching it over the, over the, over the, the fence. Over the fence <laughs> yeah. Um, I was really lucky cause I, I just got the itch at the bug. I, like I said, I would stand like if I was fixing a trailer light, the trailers are 20 feet high. After I'd fix the light, I would just sit on top of it and watch you guys or whoever was on track go round and round. And, you know, I just like, I don't, I want to go in there and, luck of the draw I just walked in on the one day and talked to Mike Ritter and he was like that's funny I'm looking for a guy I'm like that's funny I was just like about to leave where I'm at and like it's you know it was a good year and a half there year whatever I spent and but I really wanted I want to get into racing and the high octane the speed it's just really enticing so and then so you did they hire you right into mechanics spot here right here yeah what uh, year was that uh 2016 2016, so you're starting your third season? This would be the fourth. Fourth season? Yeah, I did all of 2016, 2017, 2018. Yeah, 2019, this would be my fourth season. So, yeah, um, Gritter was just looking, Mike was just looking for uh, a mechanic, car mechanic. Uh, Brandon, the old uh, track manager, was, uh, you know, seeking new adventures in his life and stuff. And Mike needed a good mechanic, and uh, I just fit the bill. And I was, I was just the weirdest timing and, you know, God works in mysterious ways kind of thing. And, uh, I was really fortunate and got a good opportunity and kind of just holding on to it, riding it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, we, that, that's one thing that was intimidating to me when my son and we just looked this up, I think it was 2015 I called around. I didn't know about the Audubon in 2015 and called around to find a, a carting place for him to get started. And, uh, MRP Michiana raceway park in South Bend was, they answered the phone and they said, absolutely. We'll do everything for you. Cause I didn't want, I gotta be his doggone, you know, fishing coach and shooting coach <laughs> and math coach and, you know, every other kind of coach. And, I just didn't want necessarily to be his driving coach, you know, as a mechanic and I wanted help and I didn't know what I was doing. And, um, so we, we, we went over there and, but quickly, I think we must've been 16. I, I found this place and came out here. It must've been 16. I thought it was, 
before I've, then. I feel like I remember you in 2016. Yeah. I must have joined right in 2016. I think so. And, uh, so 16, 17, 18. Yeah, it must be. And uh, the great thing about it is, I mean, you know, MRP is the three-hour drive and yeah. from my house. What is it, South Bend, right? South Bend. Yeah. So an hour and a half probably from here. And while they can help you, you don't necessarily find this kind of support. I don't think really anywhere which you can find this type of support that the Audubon has for a brand new guy walking in the door, has an idea to race carts, or he has an idea to race with his daughter, or, or mom wants to get her son involved, or whatever the dynamic is. Right, right. Um, to get the support that you need because you know what I didn't know what a spindle was <laughs> I didn't know what a I didn't even know what a castle nut was you know when right. I fought when I, I somebody said yeah I need one of these nuts with this stuff chopped out oh a castle nut and I said oh that makes sense that <laughs> actually does make sense it looks like um, I think I actually might have called it a crown I said it looks like a crown <laughs> uh, yeah acorn nuts are the capped ones so it looks like an acorn yeah so uh and it was nice. I think, you know, the first time that we started running our cart here and then, um, of course we, then we got into all the night carts and yeah, you know, yeah. for the whole, the, for the whole family. And, uh, it's just a, a joy to see you work on everything and, and, and the pride that you take and, uh, the time not only to do it, but <laughs> to also teach a guy what a, a spindle <laughs> is and, uh, you know, all the things that, that go into it. So not only that, but you can drive a cart pretty doggone well. <laughs> Man, I'll take it. Yeah, you can drive a cart pretty well. I know. We'll probably get into the the sim, the sim racing stuff in a little bit. But, yeah, I uh, I love it, every little bit of it. I never fantasize being about race car driver. I mean, you got to be fit. You know it. It's a little taxing to be out there. You, you're sweating and pulling a couple Gs through every corner. But, uh you know, I'm just glad I can help. And like you said, this place is really unique in the sense of we want you to come out here. We want you guys to be, you know, comfortable and, and safe most of all. And it, that's what makes it fun, though. Like when you can go to somewhere familiar and really appreciate everything that's going on and not just like, oh, it's it's, you know, accelerate and just jump in here and then just have fun and then leave. You guys like hang out and. You know, and after this, or like you said, you're kind of running from the car track to the big track, and then we got to get lunch real quick. Everything's a race around here, but it's I think it's part of the camaraderie. You guys are having fun, and the more members that we have, all, all you guys, it's just a good time. And I just remember meeting you the first time, and it was like you guys only had the two-stroke then before we got yeah. into the Margate stuff. Yeah. And uh, just trying to figure, you know, just tuning and tinkering. That's part of the fun. And like, yeah, we couldn't get it started. And you came over and about four seconds later, you had the motor started. Oh, that was pretty good. Yeah. This is lucky. I call it luck. Yeah. No, just the luckiest mechanic ever. Uh, you know, it's just that, but there's a sense of pride when you finish something and you fix something and you, you do it right. And like, I guess that's what, uh, I would just want everybody to feel kind of that way. Just feel a sense of accomplishment or we, we broke our lap time or we fixed this motor. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. And I know last year, was it was it the full year last year you kind of stepped out of the mechanics role and kind of ran the whole cart yeah, yeah. last year last year was a last year was a roller coaster but it was a fun one for sure i uh, i took the full car track manager position took it to heart and uh we developed the race series you were here for pretty much all of them but like a couple and yeah, we made every one of them every one of them i didn't personally race because remember i yeah suspended <laughs> self-suspension suspended from <laughs> uh, an accident and got suspended oh it was a wild one <laughs> yeah still glad you're okay okay so so no people are listening and <laughs> think that it was dangerous or something so the so carts, this is an interesting thing. So I watched my cousin's quarter midget race with a suspension. A little quarter midget is basically like a, it's a go-kart really. Yeah. With a cage. Yeah. And, um, and seatbelts. Right. And I was, so when we got here, my wife and I both said, why is there no cage? Why is there no, no seatbelts? Seat right? right. And so, yeah, I had a little issue and ran into a tire wall and got thrown it's, it's not a really good word. I was lifted gingerly <laughs> out of the seat, taking the energy out of my body. Yeah. Right. So it did. And, and, and 
putting me down on the grass right next yeah. to the cart. The cart performed and did exactly what it was designed to do, which is Correct. safely get, you know, I did the, was, that energy went into the, you know, that kinetic energy had to go somewhere and it yeah. was, it threw me in the air and I landed and I was really fine, but I did bend my cart up. And yeah. so I was suspended because I didn't have a cart to drive yeah. until I got it bent back <laughs> it into was, it was a little the tweet. right position. Yeah. So, um, anyway, I think I'm off suspension this year. So. You think so? I, I hope so. <laughs> I want to see you get it back out there, but you're right. Um, the carts are, they're the safest they've ever been. They're kind of designed like a well-built modern automobile. They're supposed to take the impact for you. And the point is to not have a seatbelt. So in the sense of a rollover, any dangerous, you know, like God forbid, a car wheeling situation, you kind of land on the ground on the, on the, you know, downward side of it. And then it's just, it's a lot safer and carts are amazing like that. Cause you, like you said, you walked away. We had, oh, yeah, totally fine. you know, yeah. a more than one issue last year and the little kids, while they're a little shaken up, they're like, they're just start running right afterwards. Yeah. I mean, they're not saying that every little kid's made out of rubber, but, um, Cart technologies. It's from, pretty amazing yeah. how, how they've got it figured out. Mm-hmm. They do have it figured they out. They have like so, push cones so you get, you know, uh, some of like uh, impact kind of deafening there. And it's all the other stuff. We've got a lot of safety features on track. We're adding more barriers now and everything. And it's, uh, it's really progressed. Wow. Yeah. This year, the cart track is just. Oh, wow. Yeah, we just want to talk about it. So we're sitting here. So the. It's April. I don't know when this podcast will come out, but it's, yeah, we said the first of April and we're just waiting for it's raining. So we got to wait for it to dry. Yeah. Going into final grade for the extension, grind off the old car track, put the new surface all the way in on the old track and the new track yep. and the new track. So our fingers crossed it for June 1st, right? June. That's yeah. Well, hopefully sooner than later. So I, you know, I think it's just cross our fingers because we had an idea. We were shooting for May, and uh, I think it could still be done, but uh, I think June is on the safe side, and it'll be a fresh track with a whole new layout and new yeah, safety pretty, and pretty features. Good. And Yeah. And the, so the old car facility wasn't your office, we'll say, the mechanics <laughs> kind of office wasn't necessarily state-of-the-art. No. Uh, shall we say? <laughs> and now... Uh, so the former rental garage is right next to the cart track. Yeah. So that is the west side, yeah. right right next to the cart track. That has all been remodeled and it's all open. I just walked in. It's really nice. And um, so that's where this cart storage will be too. Yeah. So some the, storage will be there. Uh, I guess you would say the new cart garage and stuff. Uh, my office <laughs> would be, uh, it'll be like uh, mostly storage. Everything, on, like you said, the north part of the end of the garage will be storage for anybody and everybody who wants to store their carts there. We, uh, you know, we can prep and do all that stuff. But it'll also be the, the shop side. So I have a, uh, you know, door designated for anybody that needs to come in and get their cart looked at, fixed, tinkered with, whatever the case is. And uh, I'll be working on our rental fleet, which uh, hopefully we'll be getting in a whole new fleet of them soon. Do you, when's that? When's that? Oh. Uh, the first ones come in. I don't know, but hopefully we're looking for the beginning of May. Yeah, well, it's, I guess it's not a hurry till June. Yeah, I mean, no <laughs> we, got, we got some time. So uh, we'll be getting in a, a new fleet of CRGs, and they'll be powered by the same Hondas that we had in the old ones, the 270s. And uh, I'm thinking they'll still be close to 45-ish, you know, on the track. They, 45 they, miles an hour yeah, on the track. They'll be, they'll be moving, and uh, these are a lot safer with these, like, plastic push uh, roll cages, not roll cages, as to say, um, like outer wheel cages. Mm-hmm. So they'll take uh, they'll take a lot of the impact off. If you guys are getting out they'll there, roll up over another tire. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So um, I think they have a headrest too. So if people want to kind of cruise out there instead of being madly, you know, white knuckle in the steering wheel the whole time, you can do that, and it'll be uh, it'll be definitely a massive improvement. It'll be a lot of fun, and uh, I just can't wait. Yeah, it that that's is an interesting aspect of it. So let's talk about so what all so there's cart store. So if you want to get a car, if you don't have a cart, or if you need it stored, you can store it here year round. You can store it here year round um, if you like. And so you prep carts. So you mm-hmm. brand new cart. Uh, somebody buys an Ignite, which is our it's a flex series yeah. cart. Um, you get it comes in a box and you got to put it together. Yeah, basically sealed engine. So you do engines. The engine is that bolted on? 
Uh, it depends on how what kind of like you can get it half assembled basically. Oh, you can. Or if not, it can come pretty much like a Lego set, and then you just put it all together. Put it together. How long does it take you to put a cart? Brand new cart. Uh, I'm thinking close together? to like six hours. I Maybe mean, with two guys. It's just because you want to make sure everything's tight, cinched down. You don't want to one a day. Yeah, kind of. Maybe start on a half of one or something, and that go on to the next day. But I want to make sure we have a break-in process, so we fill the motor with oil, run it with gas, make sure the pumps working make sure the carbs a little dialed in because they come in uh, new and the carburetor or anything like that might be covered in like a cosmoline or a grease so nothing mm-hmm. kind of gets rusty or whatever in shipping so we kind of clean it up buff it out and uh, make sure it's prepped and ready to go for the first time you get out here and the break-in oil which oil do you use to break in we just use different oils for break-in yeah in. so for break-in uh we just use a regular 530 or well 1030 actually we use a 10w30 and just a conventional we don't use a synthetic until it's broken in rings are seated make sure it's not puffing oil and nothing bad's going yeah on. that seems pretty much the what guys are doing even when they're getting it freshened up they're using a different oil than yeah they don't use the 4T, which is what, 15 bucks. Uh, yeah, 4T DMs. It's good stuff, but uh, there's a couple other guys that go with a different kind of 4T oil, some air-cooled engine oil, and it's, uh, I don't know. Yeah, there's some rumors about that. Yeah, about pick your poison, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, I'm not in that camp yet, Yeah, <laughs> but uh, we do producer Mark McFarland, who's running a different oil with mm-hmm. his son. We'd, we'd like to go. It didn't work out last year, but we wanted to run the old oil and then immediately run the new oil and see yeah. if there was actually really a difference. A big difference we'll, yeah. we like to experiment like this. So maybe we I think it'd be do that. a good, uh, it'd be a good little science experiment. And, uh, funny thing, I was just looking into some oil called Schaefer's oil and for air cooled stuff, it was just Harley guys run the Schaefer's oil, but they can also use it in race applications. They say it's like, it's miracle work, but everybody says they're synthetic. Snake. Yeah. It's a synthetic Schaefer's S A or S C H A though. And then EFF, shapers or something like that. So my local mechanic down by me, uh, Bobby Hutton. Oh, who, Bobby. Who, you know. Bobby's a man. <laughs> who ran, uh, was old, long-time racer. But he also ran, uh, not lube, but he ran a large oil change operation. Oh, okay. And I, and I don't know franchised operation. I don't, I don't, I'm not, it escapes me. But anyway, I want to have him on there because... Every four months, he'd go to oil school. Really? If you have a question about oil, I mean, he did this for years, and every four months going to oil school, that's a lot of information about oil. Yeah. So I hope to have him on there, and one of the things that I want to really dive into is oil. <laughs> and Because he'll, it, it's so nice to have him, I'll ask a question, and I will get a very PhD-level answer yeah. to why GM dextrose oil is yeah. the way it is and where it came from and what, you know. Yeah, he's a wealth of information. Yeah, he's, he's pretty cool. Um, so we've kind of talked about, and so you're, you'll work on uh, two strokes, carts, yeah. uh, the, the 206 carts, which, you know, as we know, is the. And the Margay stuff, yeah. The Margay stuff and, the, and a very popular one. And um, so that's. All the kind of stuff here. So, what are you doing for fun outside of having fun here? Oh, we man. talked a little bit about about this. <laughs> you, um, yeah, I'm out there trying to save the world. No, <laughs> <laughs> one card at a time. Uh, no, outside. So, you know, we have an off season. Unfortunately, we're not in a temperature climate, you know, forgiving area, and it's not California or Texas, Southern Tip or nothing. So, uh, we have an off season here and for those, for that time, uh, I'm going to school and stuff. And, uh, aside from that, I'll work with maybe some of you guys, you know, some of the members, if you guys do need something, uh, just give you a call. Yeah, you helped, helped me out a couple mm-hmm. years. Uh, last year it came down to me and, and, uh, this year helped me with the I couldn't do it without you. Right, let's just <laughs> say that we we changed oil for yeah. days yeah. in some car, in couple. I don't, I don't know how many, I don't know how many cars tractors and <laughs> tractors and stuff. Yeah, and fixed up. It was, it was very helpful. Plus, you you're teaching me along the way, and when I get distracted, you're you stay on task. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah. So you know, I'll do that. Uh, school keeps me busy. Hey, I, what are you studying in school? Oh, I am going for mechanical engineering. Mechanical engineering. Yeah, so um, I, all that school I did earlier, um, I did get a degree and stuff, but I, I think I want to go a little bit past it. And if I'm going to stay in the racing world, 
I just want to really know how, like, why gears are cut the way they are other than helical spiral and, you know, straight. And I want to I wanna know all that or how I can squeeze a little more out of a direct injection timing, something, you know. And uh, I think the mechanical engineering aspect will just really help. I got At least I've spent years hands-on. I think that'll help along the way. And uh, if, if I had to do it over again, I, I got to be honest, I didn't know... When I was a kid growing up, the only engineer I knew was a train engineer. My grandpa was a, was a railroader. Oh, really? I assumed an engineer. The only engineer I knew was an engineer on a train. <laughs> That's the only thing I knew. I didn't know anything else. And I was probably all the way in my junior, senior year before I really learned what an engineer did. And yeah. I think mechanical, if I had to do it over again, mechanical engineering would have been something I would have been really intrigued by it's trying to study... Yeah. Um, in undergrad stuff, I think it would be really great. But yeah. I've come a long way from thinking that an engineer was, it's like a long way to go, but an engineer was just a guy who drove the train. Yeah, we just drive. Which is a cool job, too. I wouldn't mind doing that. That's a pretty cool job, too, right? We just, yeah, we just dirty our hands and tell people we're busy. We don't do much. So. But uh, besides that, you're, you do a little sim racing on the side, right? Yeah, right. so the sim racing, uh, I, I do dabble in. and uh, What kind of steering wheel do you got? What kind of steering wheel? I am running a Thrustmaster, uh, what is it, a T150R. So it's their entry level, but it is it is nice. It's really good. Force feedback? Force feedback, the full effect of everything. The difference that I found uh, with that, even talking to Jordan, missing you had him earlier, and you guys were talking big about sim racer, yeah. Big sim racer, He's super talented. Um, we were going back and forth about steering wheels and I think he used like a Logitech and you guys were talking about that. I think he went to a Thrustmaster too. The difference is there's like three levels of it and it's gear drive, belt drive and direct drive on your sim wheels. And the gear drives have a little bit of backlash, um, cause it's a gear. It's not a perfect mesh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, it's going to have just a little bit of play, not much, but just enough. Maybe some people notice. Uh, I am running a belt drive wheel, so the benefit is is the belt is actually always in contact with two surfaces. The always doesn't matter the the drive gear and then the motor that drives that gear, I guess you would say, or the pulley. It's not a gear, and uh, so the feedback is more intuitive. It's quicker. It's on demand, but there's nothing like a direct drive wheel. And if you look at uh, Fanatics and I uh, forgot the other brand, but the direct drive is literally the steering wheel is directly on the motor. So you have the most response, the most feedback, hmm. and it's the most intuitive. So uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's up to whoever and how they enjoy it. Because some guys might like the gear drive. It just feels more natural and to certain cars. Uh, it just depends. But uh, it's a little bit of sim sim knowledge, I guess, and uh, for the wheels. Yeah, I I, I don't. I was, so I was flying with my co-pilot. I was flying with was asking me questions about sim racing, and this is no joke, man. This is not. This is not <laughs> the Xbox game no. controller running around. This is really an important learning skill. And not necessarily for me, but for a young guy like you, and I think young people, yeah. to embrace this, this is the real deal. And this is really helping guys, no kidding, you know, run the races. I mean, every Formula One driver, everyone mm -hmm. is running those courses yep. hundreds true. and hundreds of times in a sim. Yeah. And I don't refer to it as gaming because it's not. Yeah. It's really a, simula a driving simulator that you're yeah. really – and. I need to do it more than I. Ah, I need know. to do it more than I am doing it. I could imagine you relate to uh, being a pilot. You probably you know how to do hours and hours and hours of sim flights, and yeah. you know yeah. it just. I'm guessing it helped you along the way of you know fine honing your skills, fine tuning and stuff of your skills. So I I yeah it relates I think completely in a car a cart. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it helps you with your line of sight because even in a in the sim you still have to think beyond that corner you can see. So the line you pick ahead, the, the apex, your, your, your braking zone leading up to, you know, that birchwood tree that you know is slightly different colored, that's where you know you can hit it at the 100-yard mark. So, and like, it, I'm guessing, it, yeah, when you were doing your, you know, pilot training and stuff, you, 
you remembered, oh, this is exactly like how it probably should be. And you needed to do the one step before you, you didn't do the, you know, before you say your rev match down, but in a plane, I don't know what you do. You turn your turbos backwards or something, <laughs> but, but, uh, you know, it, I think it, it really helps. And like you said, your son is doing it and he's like, I talked to him a little bit about it and he's like, I like it. I don't know. Those guys are really intense though. And it's no joke. Those guys. Yeah. He's been unable. So we were eye racing. So yeah, after the missigs and introduced me to eye racing, which I'd never heard of last summer, you know, Mitch, my son, he built a PVC rigged, great rig. Yeah. It's cool. And uh, <laughs> found a race seat around here. It was awesome. Put that in there. Uh, and he has yet, yet to call. I wish we'd do, I mean, I'm always pushing him and probably too much, but he, I wish we'd do a little bit more than he does, but he's yet to complete a race. Because, you know, in iRace, you really got to fill these, these lat. you got to climb up the ladder yeah. and make sure that you're, you can really get out there and race. From and, rookie to pro kind of thing. Yeah. And a couple of times, you know, he's ran into people, people ran into him. And the next thing you know, he's kicked out of the race. And, and I, he's much further along than, than I am. I saw, we're using a VR headset. Are you on a, I am not on a VR. I just do have a big TV. <laughs> um, so, and and the VR headset, which he loves, I'm surprised. Still, I'm not completely over. I mean, I have been upside down, and I can't and, and squeezed in many different cockpits, from fighter planes <laughs> to high end aerobatic planes, you know, and yeah. all kinds of stuff. And I was really surprised at how the VR system, when I wreck. I instantly get motion sickness. Really? So when I when I'm about to wreck or about to spin out, I have to close my eyes, and some it's okay. So I eat ginger. So Heidi, my wife, got me some ginger, and okay. I eat some ginger before I go. And okay. I was trying to work through it. I was just going to push through it, and that's the wrong way to do it. So you know, you got to drive. You're not ten minutes. You're not sick. Stop. You know, next time, fifteen minutes. Stop. And again, I don't get in there enough to do it, but. Still, if I'm spinning, I mean, I'm better, way better than I was, but if I'm spinning, I immediately close my eyes. Really? So that instantaneously makes me. So you have to find yourself building up to like really being in like the race sim for an hour if you want. Yeah. Really. yeah. So sometimes in the, so I fly 737s and sometimes in the 737 simulator, it's full motion, but sometimes when they reposition you, so let's say you're at the end of the runway and they're going to reposition you to the gate or something oftentimes guys close their eyes, put their heads down because that really messes with you. Oh, because you're not in motion and right. your brain is yeah, thinking, right. They, so yeah. What happens is the hairs in your ears that detect motion, mm -hmm. cilia, I think they're called, they're detecting motion. They're trying to time that with your eyes, your vision. Right. And when it gets off, that's what causes you to tumble and causes emotion sickness. So, uh, that's why when they're, you know, if you're getting motion and it seems relative right. and everything, and then it's fine. I mean, I know that when I'm driving, so our sim is not motion. Our s simulator racing rig is not <laughs> motion, but I, it feels, but you feel there's force being going to but I do find myself, I mean, I'm leaning into the yeah, turn yeah. I mean, and, it, and it feels, and I'm still, I don't think you need motion on a simulator for racing because in my mind, we're training eye-hand coordination only. And you can't really get a full simulator no, simulator right. racing. So if you add motion, it's great. I think it's somewhat of a little of a gimmick because you really don't – in my mind, you don't want that. You're literally training eye-hand coordination. Simply, you're going to get the seat of the pants when you get in a car. So you don't need a rig that has motion. But I – you – but in our VR rig, you, you certainly feel like you're doing you it. You like trick yourself into absolutely. You put absolutely. your whole shoulder. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I know that when I'm about to hit the wall or something, you know, I tense up <laughs> yeah. before I close my eyes. Yep, yep. But you have the same thing. So in a simulator, we keep our eyes closed. You know, in the reposition. And you know, I don't. I'm not in a simulator flying all the time. I go once a year. Oh, okay. Uh, um, soon. I, I'm going to be an instructor pilot. So I, I go to oh, training cool. in, in May. So I'll be, Oh, that's um, super cool. It's called a, it's called a check airman position. So I'll be doing instruction. I'll be in the simulator, running the simulator, giving evaluations and instruction in the simulator. Okay. In addition to flying with new guys and stuff. So I'll be in the simulator a lot more. And, oh, I'm, and then that's, that's going to be interesting sitting. Cause you sit sideways behind 
on a control panel as the two guys are flying when you're given an evaluation or, or training and stuff. So I wonder how that will be. Yeah, I wonder um, if that'll throw you off, or um, maybe if you're not really looking at. I've a never screen. heard of anybody getting bothered by sitting, yeah. you know, sitting in the back. But again, it's not. I've never in any air force or other simulator ever had motion sickness ever. Even when they slewing you around. You know, when I say close your eyes, you know, they're going to move you from here to here. I, I never do because this has never bothered me. Really? Um, and, but yeah, the, the VR headset and right now I can do other VR games. There's a robot game. That I, <laughs> yeah. I remember. Robot recall. <laughs> yeah. I think it's pretty cool. So that doesn't bother me, but right. you're up walking around and moving, mm-hmm. you know. Right? Yeah. That one you get to full, put your body in and yeah. you get to lift your arms up like over your head or whatever the case is. We went to a VR in Bloomington, Illinois. They opened up a VR, uh, gaming center like, really and it's a huge facility it must be basketball court size really and you walk around with a computer on your back and a vr headset and oh, that we were actually the very cool. first customers they had there the day they opened and you know that didn't bother me either really yeah it's just the spinning right the instantaneously spinning of, of a car yeah <laughs> you expect your body to be thrown because you know we've yeah. all been off track and and if you haven't come on out, <laughs> anyway, it's weird. You know, my yeah. wife, she, she always goes, I cannot believe that that bothers you. I said, well, you're telling me, I, I can't believe it either. Didn't you get like, um, a fan on you though? A fan? Yeah. So one of the other tricks is to put a fan yeah. on it to give you relative motion. Yeah. And that, so I did put a little floor stand <laughs> yeah. fan. I'd like to put one in our, I'd like to get a little rig in our garage here or something. If we, um, oh, for like a sim yeah, or something a like a little sim in here. And I don't, I don't know how we'll drive it or, um, you know, if my son will build another PVC PVC, PVC rig, which is a really nice. Yeah, that was a good If anybody setup. wants the PVC rig <laughs> setup, I can give you the link. I just email podcast at auduboncc.com, and uh, yeah. I can send you the link for that. It's the standard one that um, everybody uses I, I, now, it seems like. Yeah. Um, it's gross. It's about 50, 60 pieces or something. So. Yeah, and then you just pick a seat you want, right? And Right, yeah. And we were lucky enough. My son went around all the race shops here and found one that was getting, <laughs> ready, getting ready to throw away, yeah. and which, which was which was awesome. So, yeah, if I could find another uh, throwaway seat, then I'd have one here that we could put in, you know, build another little rig here. And so on a rain day, we could yeah. come up here and we could, um, I don't know about Probably just to, probably just put a TV in. I don't know if it a TV VR, VR oh, another VR here. setup. Yeah, it takes a lot of energy to, to run say. that VR. The VR, and then you need a pretty like beefy computer kind of thing. Yeah, so. yeah, to run to run all of it. So yeah, I just over the winter uh, built a brand new computer for gaming and stuff, and uh, mostly for sim stuff. I haven't gotten a VR headset because I know there's a like the new series HTC's coming yeah. out. And I was like, maybe I'll wait for it. It's like three hundred bucks. It's not bad. So we'll see. I think there's going to be a big jump in there. Yeah, we're using a uh, Oculus, which is on my Facebook. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. But uh, yeah, and the other <laughs> one's the HTC Vine. Is the other option? Vine? I don't know. Yeah, Vine so or Vibe or something. Vibe or something. Whatever it is, we didn't get that one. Yeah. Uh, it was both had. You know, when I read all the reviews, we just what was and I. I but I think there's just going to be a jump. The quality of the visuals is not exactly like it is with the. Um, like a, you know, TV like or a monitor. TV, yeah. a monitor has better. Yeah, the better VR will have like slightly blur, blurry zones. Yeah. It's like uh, it's like a configuration kind yeah. of thing, and I think they're yeah they're definitely working on that. So we'll see what this year brings. So that's why I haven't jumped ship on the on the VR completely. I liked it. I you know when I tried yours and stuff, that was a whole weird experience because that was cool. the first yeah. time. Yeah, and uh, you know it was uh, so. I don't know what the, what's to come. I know Fernando Alonso brought out. Did you ever, did you see that? Mm-hmm. He made like a special headset. It's like all orange and blue, but Fernando Alonso, the formula one driver. And I thought that was kind of neat, but, uh, we'll see. A VR um, headset? Yeah. Like yeah. a special one. I don't know what it, yeah. <laughs> kind of interesting. Just, you know, uh, we just, uh, my son and I both finished watching the Netflix series, um, formula, oh, one, formula one series. That's pretty good. Um, still left me. And I watched, so, because of that, I had never watched a start to finish Formula One race ever. Oh, really? Not ever. And so, last Sunday was the first one, second one of the season in Bahrain. Bahrain. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I did watch the whole uh, DVR, didn't watch it on my own time, yeah. but I did watch it. I avoided all contact with anybody, so I didn't, didn't ruin <laughs> who won the race. The one thing, I, it was a lot of fun. I, one thing I liked, I thought was cool is it's timed race, like Supercross. I watched Supercross too, and it's a timed race. And okay. They, 
you know, and about 30 minutes into it, I turned to Heidi and go, there's no commercials on this. So I don't know how they, I have a lot of questions about, I just don't, I mean, I know a lot about IndyCar racing, but I don't know much about Formula One. There was, it was on eight, on ESPN, there was no commercials. Really? So Formula One must pay to ESPN outright to run, to, to broadcast it, yeah. I guess. I, I was confused by that. How can they not have commercials? I don't know. Um, it is a big, big deal. It's I, worldwide. I, think it's I like know. One of the it's, largest sports in the so world. So it was, so. I, I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed that next net Netflix series, but it just left me with lots of questions, you know, lots yeah. more questions about, I, I thought it was interesting. Have you watched it yet? Yeah, I watched the whole, I like so, binge watch it. It's so it's real I, drama heavy and it gets it is, you hooked. It, is, it, it gets it is. you hooked. And, a little too much. I would watch more when I used to, as I mentioned, I think before I used to coach, um, pro fighters and yeah, yeah. You know, UFC fighters. And you know, when I would watch the UFC reality show, I didn't, I wanted more training stuff, you know, right. More, what was really going on? I didn't want, but the, it was, I didn't want just drama throwing kitchens at or yeah, like yeah. microwaves at each yeah, other. In the yeah. Back I didn't, was not interested in that. Right. You know, what is your training regimen? What, yeah. you know, how, how many days you train, how much grappling time you're right. getting what you're striking to like, yeah, you know? that's the only part I didn't like. It was a little drama. It's kind of a male soap opera, but it hooked you on the sports side of it. So, but it was really interesting. It was interesting. I thought I, the behind, yeah, the drivers stuff is very <laughs> drama heavy. And I, one thing I thought was really weird is they're leaving a team in the middle of a season, and I just thought that was weird. You know, like um, Ricardo. Uh, oh, the Red Bull guys. Yeah, yeah. like which is Ricardo? Uh, uh, Daniel Ricardo. Daniel Ricardo. And uh, how oh, he God. left. He like in the middle of the season. He said, "Well, I'm going to go to Renault." Yeah. Not at the end of the season. Yeah, and he has to. Look I, I mean, that's like. You know, a, a guy playing in the Super Bowl, at, you know, for the Giants, who's going to go to the – who already assigned with the Broncos. Right. I just thought that was odd. Um, I just thought that was really odd how they knew uh, yeah, the season that they were leaving. I think racing's the only kind of sport – like, I know you can lease players in, like, football or soccer – Around like you can lease like so this team leases it to another you know team and then that guy can play for a couple games on their team, but I think racing is the only one where you have a sponsor one day and then the next you know you don't or you're racing for these guys and yeah I can see a guy leaving it you know hey you you're you're off the team here yeah. but, and then you got to go to the other team but it's it's weird how those guys are moving around in the middle yeah. of the season and still racing for the still playing for the Giants yeah. while you know you're going to play for the right. Broncos next year. And, and so I'm, this is completely this is an interesting <laughs> note here, but so I'm, I'm writing a book and oh, uh, cool. the book is, um, about a Brazilian jiu-jitsu, um, my Brazilian jiu-jitsu coach who grew up in Brazil. And part okay. of the time he was sponsored by Vasco da Gama, which is a who, painter or no oh. Vasco da Gama is a, uh, soccer, one of the <laughs> soccer teams in, in Rio. Oh, okay. And, uh, he was sponsored by a soccer team. Okay. Professionally sponsored. I mean, he's, he's a big time. My coach is a big time, uh, one of the greatest Brazilian Jiu Jitsu players in the, in history. Okay. And I just thought that was weird. I'd be like, that'd be like, you know, the giants sponsoring me to be a racer. Yeah. You know, it, it's completely out of the sport. And I, Cause I was writing when I was writing, I was just editing it and, uh, it's almost done. And, it just dawned. I mean, when I wrote it the first time I did, you know, he's told me the story. And, and so I, it, I'm ghostwriting a book, I guess you might say, or co-authoring a, a biography, but this stuff was weird. <laughs> I thought that was weird how one sport would sponsor somebody else in a different sport. And maybe they're, maybe they do. I mean, like F1, it'd be like Ferrari, you know, sponsoring, um, a, uh, you know, a swimmer or something. Yeah. yeah the Olympics or something. Yeah. yeah that's super strange. <laughs> I know, uh, like Joe Gibbs, who coached the Redskins. Though. Well, yeah, he's got a big racing team. Yeah, and yeah. He, he's got Joe Gibbs racing, and he's in NASCAR, and he's a crew chief, and like, and, and he's Supercross, also, yeah, and, and all like, kinds of stuff. Yeah. He's just like a philanthropist or something. I don't know. He's just yeah. into everything or something. So, I that's really weird that a uh, you know soccer team would. Yeah, I wonder if anyway, that was sidetracked from from from, <laughs> from racing, racing and cars yeah. and then motors and stuff, but. Uh, yeah, that's weird. Oh, yeah, that's super strange. But, but I, it's interesting. You know, we're, we're kicking around. I know a friend of ours here, they go down to the um, – I know um, Mark, the producer, and his family, they were at the – they were in the in Abu Dhabi for mm-hmm. the last race in the November. The last race, yeah. yeah. I 
dawn of my wife's in November because it's only 100 degrees there in November. Yeah. It's not, only, uh, yeah. Only 100 degrees. Uh, I get to live there for seven months in the desert. One time, <laughs> Pretty hot in the summer, let me tell you. Uh, but they got to see the Formula One race. And that's a great track. Oh, oh, oh my gosh, because that was the last race of the season. Yeah. And I saw the show on it. He had pictures when he came back. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I caught him awesome, a little bit. Awesome, cool yeah. experience. But, you know... Um, I know down at uh, Circuit of America's down in Austin where they run Coda, that. Yeah. They're, they have an Ignite series now. Yes, they do. So they're partnered with the same guys we are partnered with, uh, Margate, Margate Carding. And uh, those guys have a great facility down there. Seen pictures, haven't visited. But uh, hopefully they, they kind of, you know, we all share ideas and see how we can build the series, I guess. Because I think they might incorporate a race schedule with us. Well, I'd be cool know. to. I was looking to see if there's going to be a race during the Formula One week or something. Oh, right it's a go, yeah. yeah. That'd have been an easier. Hey, let's all go down there. Yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fun. So, fun. well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank finally, we've talked about it for a long time, but we finally <laughs> got it. It schedules aligned, and uh, we got you in here. And uh, people need to get a hold of you at the car track. At the car track. How do they? What was? What's the best uh, way to do that? You can. Email the cart track at autobahncc.com. So that's the email address, yeah. cart track at autobahncc.com. Cart track at autobahncc.com. Um, yeah, I'll still be here. I, uh, I think I'm going, like you said, it more into the shop role. So I'll be the shop manager and I'll still be here pretty much 24 7 when you guys need me. Uh, if you guys need to get a hold of me, um, my number is 815-822-1132. And we also have a new line actually. Don't have it because it's obviously in building with the new racetrack and all that. The new phone will be available soon, and you guys can come by and check it out. We are going to be open to the public later on in the year. So we'll have club racing, league racing. Just come show up on a Saturday with you and your group of buddies. Come out here. You know, you got a bachelor party. We also do corporate events. Um, if anybody needs some serious or a lot of information about getting a Marie car or anything that's uh, a little track oriented, you can get a hold of Kyle Nadu. And, you know, you talk to Kyle a lot on the podcast. He's a good guy to get a hold of. And, uh, yeah, if anything else, you should kind of show up. And like you said, you'll, I'll be here and you kind of just show up whenever and we hang out and you guys need some help, you know, be, uh, be willing to lend a hand, you know, helping hand anytime. Awesome. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you. You've been listening to Autobahn Country Club Podcast, where your host, club member John Graybill, opens the doors to America's premier auto sports club. Join us next time for Autobahn Country Club Podcast.